At CFB Winning Edge, we are working hard to update our 2021 FBS team profiles with new stats and information, player and coach ratings and rankings, and projected depth charts to reflect transfer news, injuries, NFL draft decisions, and super seniors taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility from the NCAA. In our final push before we make our new 2021 team profiles available to our Tier 2 Patreon supporters, we're offering Tier 2 access to new Tier 1 patrons who sign up for an annual membership in the month of March. Thank you to our Patreon supporters who help fund our show, annual updates, and special projects. Visit patreon.com slash Edge for more info. Welcome back, everybody. It's College Football Winning Edge, the podcast edition. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Please follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Nicholas Ian Allen, the owner and proprietor of CFP Winning Edge. Follow him on the Twitter at CFP Winning Edge. And Xavier Trish at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E on the Twitter for everyone to find him. Like we said last uh, week when we were doing our position reviews, um, you know, not a lot going on in college football, but we did have some spring games. Uh, happening uh, th- this week. So that has been interesting, Nick. Why don't you tell us who was uh, doing their spring game and how did these teams look? Yeah, it, it kind of uh, snuck up on me a little bit because my uh, focus has been entirely on updating our uh, 2021 FBS team profiles, which we'll be releasing to our patrons in, in early April, uh, but popped up and and saw that uh, the SEC Network Plus, I believe, had uh, the Mizzou spring game, Missouri spring game, uh, which was basically a scrimmage a practice for the most part. Uh, and then also on the Pac-12 Network, uh, Cal had their spring games. So uh, was able to, to see a little bit of those, some highlights, uh, you know, post game or, or you know, afterward uh, uh, press conference with with the head coaches and and things like that. Missouri, it sounded like that the defense pretty much controlled things, which is not uncommon in uh, you know in in, in spring. Uh, defenses tend to be a little bit ahead of the offenses more often than not. Not every time, of course, but that I think is a, a pretty good sign for Missouri since they've got a new. Uh, defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes in place. Uh, they're changing a little bit, you know, philosophically. They were a, a heavy man coverage team uh, under the previous uh, staff there, defensive staff. Uh, and, and so, you know, they're, they're playing a little bit more zone, more pattern matching. Uh, defensive backs have their eyes on the quarterback more often. Uh, so, you know, good for that unit, I think, to, to sort of shine. There were some names that, uh, you know, made a little bit of noise offensively. One we talked about as a, a transfer there, and, and we mentioned last week when we went over Missouri, Mookie Cooper, the wide receiver from uh, Ohio State, uh, you know, flashed some speed, athleticism, looks like he's going to be a – contributor in, in his first year there at Missouri has is, is gotten some people excited for his uh, playmaking potential. And then late in the day, they had a uh, sort of a, a full speed part of the practice, but it was mostly third and fourth stringers. But during that time, a redshirt freshman running back, Michael Cox, uh, was really impressive, ran really physically and, uh, you know, did did some good things there. At Cal, it was a little bit more of a uh, normal spring game. A lot of the bigger names, you know, starters were, uh, if they played at all, very limited. Uh, quarterback Chase Garbers was very impressive, 5 for 5, 71 yards and a touchdown. He only participated in two drives and then uh, defensively, most of the secondary was held out of it, and top two linebackers Cameron Good and uh, Keone Dang were were held out as well. So not going up against the you know uh, the the best of the best uh, Cal defense there, but a good showing for Garbers and then running back Christopher Brown, who uh, was slowed a bit by injury last season, really looked healthy. Uh, there was a, a clip that the uh, 
you know, official Cal uh, Twitter account posted that uh, seemed to, you know, get some traction with uh, Brown looking one healthy, but but two very physical on a, a 13 yard run. So uh, overall, you know, good to, to see spring practices popping up. Good to have some news to talk about. We really, you know, we got what two or three spring games all last uh, year. So it's it's nice to get to to see this, and and now I've got to get my mind uh, back on paying a little bit more attention. Got to got to dive into these sort of things. See what sort of uh, nuggets can you know pick out and and uh, uh, apply to our our twenty twenty one you know uh, projections and and predictions and things like that. We're working our way through our our twenty twenty recaps, of course. But it's you know by the time we finish, it's it's going to be right around time to start previewing twenty twenty one full speed. So definitely need to be keeping an eye on what's going on in, in spring practices as well. I mean, it's surreal seeing some of these, uh, you know, uh, spring images, right, Xavier? It's like we, it, it's, it's really a year, but we only got a couple, like Nick said, from last season. So yeah. uh, it, it's, it's just really fun to see these highlights. And are you paying more attention to the action in spring or like the coach comments? Because uh, I mean, every 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 game, there's huge highlights that come out of it. But I think this is the one time where coach speak, I'm actually like on the edge of my seat. Most of the time it's just cliches and crap thrown out by uh, coaches. But I think during the spring, you know, when they start to praise some of these players, you really have to uh, buy in. Right. Yes and no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think Nick can say this and and Scott, you too. being around coaches a lot of the times, especially during spring, they kind of try to keep things close to the vest. Um, you know, for the most part, most coaches do at least. And I think when it comes to spring practice, especially with how, you know, it feels like this is brand new almost because there wasn't one last year. You know, I, I still am a big proponent of trying to look in between the lines when it comes to what's happening on the field, whether that be like in the Missouri game, you know, they started in the goal line and they weren't able to succeed on any of the goal line plays. Even though the first play was a trick play, they weren't able to succeed. Those kind of little things that may come to be, a, you know, to bite them in the butt later on. You know, how good does a backup look? You know, who know because, you know, who knows if they're going to have to get reps, especially like, you know, it's football. Injuries happen. How good does a backup look necessarily in a game? That's a big thing that I take away, especially at the starting quarterback position. So, like, those kind of things for me are what I look forward to at uh, when it comes to spring practices. As far as what the coaches say, I mean, unless they come out and say something pretty, you know, damning about a certain position group or something like that, like Kirby Smart comes out and is like, an offensive line got his butt whooped today. That would be something that I would look at it. I'd go, okay, let me go. You're back looking and for watch. more Mike Leach comments, you know? Yeah, he's the only one that's going to talk a bunch of smack about his players, right? Exactly. So, so th- those are those. If, if a coach says something like that, then sure. But for the most part, I try to watch what the players do, how physical they're playing, especially in spring, uh, because I think that one thing that I remember from my playing career is guys that kind of took spring lightly. You could tell. You could tell the guys who think their spot are safe. And they're going to go ahead and just take spring as it is versus the guys who are trying to earn a spot. And those are typically the position groups that you look at that are the biggest question marks. So once again, talking about Georgia in the secondary, when G-Day comes around, who's standing out? Because those are going to be the guys that are going to be playing come day one versus on offense. And George Pickens might take the day off and be like, all right, cool. It's G-Day. I get it, but I'm going to be playing. Uh, Now we do have a bunch coming up here too uh, on Friday. We've got BYU in their spring game. And over the weekend, we got Duke, Liberty, USF, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, and Southern Miss all with uh, their spring games as well. So going to get a lot in. Is there anything in particular you're looking for? I mean, I don't think most of these games are going to be televised. I think Duke is going to be on the ACC network. USF, uh, from the schedule I have, says the identity identity Tampa Bay, which I I don't have. I'm pretty sure. I have DirecTV. (laughs) Maybe I have it somewhere. I have thousands of channels, but don't don't think I've ever heard of that one. So uh, what what are you going to be looking for in these spring games here, Nick? Uh, you know, it's 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 not anything in particular. And uh, most of them I'm probably not going to watch live. I'll try to catch, uh, you know, recaps or highlights on YouTube, things like that. Uh, so very appreciative to to 
all, you know, everybody out there on YouTube who puts uh, replays of games, of course, but also these, uh, you know, spring scrimmages and, and things like that. Um, but every once in a while, something will jump out every once in a while. I, I think most of the time when I'm watching anything, whether it's a, a you know, replay of a game or, or even live action, I'm looking for skills. I'm looking for, you know, a wow play pure athleticism, because those sort of things, I think, can translate a little bit. I, I'm not somebody that's going to pour over, you know, box scores or, or recaps that talk about, I mean, I, I mentioned, you know, Garber's five for five, 71 yards. It, it, I don't necessarily care if a guy, you know, threw for 300 yards in a spring game, but, you know, knowing that he was only in there for two, uh, you know, two drives, that he was perfect on, on pass completions, things like that. You know, that that I guess is nice, but it's not necessarily something I'm putting a ton of uh, stock in. But if I'm able to see a guy, uh, you know, go up and, and catch a ball at a high point and, and just uh, completely out physical, uh, uh, you know, defensive back, for example, something like that, those will stick out to me a little bit. It, it's sometimes tricky because you're not always you know, seeing ones versus ones, you're not always seeing uh, the most talented guys out there. So it, it's, it's tough to try to draw too much. It, it's important not to, I think, over, uh, you know, get too excited, get overexcited about, you know, certain stats or, or even, you know, a big a breakaway run or something like that, because uh, sometimes, you know, the, the coaches are telling their guys not to tackle a guy to the ground or, or things like that. So it's it's tricky and it, every situation is different, but it's one of those things. Sometimes I'll, I'll know it if I see it uh, on the screen or I, I do think that there is some value sometimes in uh, what a, a coach says. But most of the time, the things that I, I think we really can put the most stock into are when a true freshman is receiving praise or when a guy who's new to the program is, you know, we're, we're hearing, okay, he's, he's repping with the ones or, or, you know, he was uh, so impressive, whether it's coaches or teammates or, or things like that, those stick out to me a little bit uh, because, you know, I, I think coaches that you, you can tell when, you know, especially if you're, if you're watching a, a press conference, sometimes it's, it's difficult when you're seeing it in print, but you know, you can tell when a coach is actually impressed or when a coach is just sort of going through the motions on uh, kind of making sure I talk about this guy or that guy because they're a returning starter or what have you. So, you know, I think when a, when a true freshman or a transfer or something impresses enough that a coach is saying like, yeah, we're going to be counting on that guy. Yeah. He's going to be getting touches. You know, he's going to be like with Mookie Cooper. Hey, he's going to be repping with the ones this fall was along the lines of what Eli Drinkwitz was saying. So, you know, there are no major things I always look for, but there are, I think certain, uh, pieces of information you can pull out, whether it's watching a guy on the screen or, or you know, watching a coach or, or you know, reading about uh, comments on, on players afterwards that every, you know, probably 10% of it is is useful, but uh, there are things here and there that uh, can, you know, we can, we can learn a little bit more about players or, or, you know, mindset moving forward. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting seeing, uh, these uh, spring games happen and getting highlights and all that stuff starting to feel closer and closer. I mean, baseball hasn't even started yet, though. Yeah. So we're still waiting on baseball to start. So uh, ju just good to get the juices flowing. I'm doing my first CFF mock of the offseason as well right now. So a lot going on here. But today we're going to be talking about uh, defensive backs, the transfer portal, the guys going off. Uh, to the NFL as well. And this is Xavier's position. So uh, Xavier, are you, you're more invested in this position than any other one, right? Well, I'm a receiver deep, 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 deep down in my heart, you know, in my soul, it was my first, <laughs> it was my baby. It's my first position, but I did play corner in college. So yeah, I'm definitely invested in this position. What? Yeah. I mean, no diva like tendencies that I've seen from you at all. So I don't really think. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. You know, uh, I think you're more hard-nosed than, than most wide receivers. I, I, I'll say I, that. Can we take this clip? I need this for, like, my resume. 
Then we'll just switch <laughs> Scott just said. I just I just need that clip. You're more hard nosed. You're not a diva. Boom. boom. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, come on. I I've not I've not seen many wide receiver like tendencies uh, for you outside of the fact that you uh, you know uh, flagrantly flaunt all of your Girl Scout cookies in front of me. So like you're doing right now, this second. Yep. So that's the only diva like tendency that, that you've had in my presence at all. But uh, there is a lot of moving pieces uh, as far as uh, the transfer portal. I mean, we have to like go over two extra rows from our normal sheet uh, because we did put uh, cornerbacks and safeties together. But a lot of moving pieces here. Uh, who gets who gets hit the most, and who gets uh, some help the most here? Would you say, Nick? Well, so you know, similar to what we've said in in recent weeks, basically since we started offensive line, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, and I think to a certain extent, uh, defensive backs are similar. Where we're learning a bit more based on the players who are leaving for the NFL draft. I, I do think defensive backs, uh, there's more, it, it, it's a little bit easier to see guys who are uh, going to be impact transfers. I think there are a few more of those than there have been the last few position groups. But, you know, the the names that uh, really, you know, jump out, the, the teams that really jump out as far as guys getting hurt hardest by the NFL you know, draft declarations, uh, like a lot of the the previous, you know, few position groups, the SEC towards the top end of the uh, standings have some pretty big, you know, names that are that are uh, walking out the door. Auburn, Georgia and Florida are all uh, losing multiple players to the NFL draft, uh, all losing at least three. Actually, Florida has uh, four guys gone. Georgia has five defensive backs off to the NFL draft and uh, another who would, you know, starter in the bowl game would have likely been a starter in the fall leave via the transfer portal. So I think, you know, singularly Georgia is, is the hardest hit uh, as far as the secondary goes in college football. And, and uh, I have mentioned before, I, I think that there is a chance that Georgia opens as our number one team in in our preseason power rankings but to do that they will have to you know add a couple of relatively highly rated transfers in the secondary to to get there i think that's possible i think there are some names out there that uh georgia might be in the mix for but they have a, a lot of holes uh you know a lot of a lot of production leaving both through the nfl draft and uh through the uh through the transfer portal but you know oregon had a, a few opt-outs prior to last year, so they were able to get some young guys, uh, some experience, but still lost multiple starters to the NFL draft. Oregon State lost a couple of starters to the NFL draft and another to uh, medical retirement. TCU had two of the best uh, defensive backs in the country leave for the NFL draft. Northwestern had a couple. Uh, Wisconsin Pitt was hit really hard, as we mentioned when we reviewed them a couple of weeks ago. BYU, uh, probably the the position group hit the hardest uh, other than quarterback would be in the uh, defensive backfield, UCF uh, and uh, San Diego state, three guys left for the NFL draft as did three from Western Kentucky. So not, not just uh, the biggest, you know, uh, biggest power five programs. There are certainly some uh, G five teams that were hit pretty hard uh, as well, but the one, the one that sticks out the most is Georgia. But yeah, Auburn, Florida, Oregon, Oregon State. You know, there there are several teams that are going to be, going to be down two, three starters. What was the most interesting move here, in your opinion, Xavier? Who who do you see moving, and you go, yeah, I really like that for this player out of the transfer portal. Yeah, I really like you know, and, and he hasn't moved yet, but. All signs are that he is coming to Georgia, but Darian Kendrick out of Clemson was a weird decision, first and foremost, because it's Clemson and he's leaving. And you don't get many Clemson guys that are playing to leave. So right, that's exactly. Especially with him being such a high-rated guy. They expect him to be a starter next year. And I think wherever he goes is a win for the secondary that he's going to. And I don't know what necessarily was his reasoning for leaving Clemson, uh, but I think it's a good win for him, especially if he does come to a team like Georgia 
when you have an, a guy like a Will Muschamp as a defensive analyst on top of already the the coaching staff that is down there to help you out. I mean, we, we you know, Nick hit around the head. He's got two guys going from South Carolina, going straight to the league, one of which will probably be a first-round draft pick than J.C. Horn. So I think that's really good for him. Another one for me that I think is going to be very helpful to the team that he's moving to is Key Lawrence going from Tennessee to Oklahoma. I mean – that Oklahoma defense, and they hit around the head last year, that Oklahoma defense really was good down the stretch. And to be and to just be added to that, when you're a corner, it, it really helps out when the rest of your defense is good because then you're not nearly exposed as much. You, you look 10 times better because the guys around you are also as good. Uh, so I think that's a really good move for him, especially with the team where he's moving from a, a, a big team in Tennessee. Oklahoma is a team that's probably going to be competing for a national championship next year. So that's really good for him on the draft front as well for for, uh, for uh, publicity reasons too. And it looks like, Nick, you know, Arizona and Texas Tech both got two transfers in the secondary, both, uh, you know, fairly desperately. I mean, Arizona needs anything and everything they can possibly get. <laughs> you know, uh, Texas Tech. It also not in the greatest of spots, but uh, better than Arizona for sure. But uh, these teams getting a big upgrade. Who else is, is getting some upgrades here? Yeah, and, and real quick before we get to that, there there are some sort of off-the-field things that could potentially stand in the way for Darian Kendrick. He was mm. uh, had some legal uh, issues just a couple of weeks ago after uh, it was uh, announced that he had left the Clemson team. So that could throw a little bit of a wrench into his you know 2021 football plans, his long-term uh, future as well. But, you know, certainly hope that, that he can get all that straightened out and, and you know, He's a great player. has has a lot of uh, has a very bright future if he's if he's able to uh, play up to that potential on the field. But yeah, I, I absolutely agree. You know, uh, Arizona needed uh, their secondary was uh, just absolutely uh, brutal last year. Uh, just as far as to Arizona <laughs> State, I mean, it was bad. Yeah, I mean, and 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 you know, prior to that, it, it was a numbers issue specifically in the secondary. They were relatively young coming into the year, but uh, early on had several players opt out. A couple of them have, have rejoined the team, but, you know, they were they were just uh, had had just really, really low numbers, particularly, excuse me, particularly in the secondary. So adding a couple of guys, and, and I think they got quality guys. Isaiah Rutherford from Notre Dame is somebody who uh, probably has a great shot to start right away. Uh, Gunnar Maldonado from Northwestern seems like he will be in line to, to be a major contributor, if not a starter. Texas Tech has really had some success uh, with transfers. They, as we mentioned before, were one of the uh, more improved defenses in the country last year, and uh, you know part of that was uh, some, some some help that they got through uh, the transfer portal. Zach McPherson, formerly of Penn state, you know, came in and, and he's a guy that's moving on to the NFL. They're hoping to replace him with uh, maybe Marquise waters from Duke or Malik Dunlap from NC state. Both of those guys have starting experience and uh, could be in line for a starting role at, at Texas tech as well. Uh, Texas state, uh, you know, they, they made some headlines this spring by signing one junior college player and then just going transfer portal for everything else. But they made some upgrades in the secondary. So I, I think they're on sort of the short list as far as teams who improve the most, uh, you know, a guy like Eric Sutton from SMU probably will have a chance to come in and start right away. Uh, they brought in a safety from Utah state, Troy Lefkid, who uh, was a starter there for the Aggies and a productive player uh, during his time there. And, and, you know, they're, they're certainly a team that though the record wasn't phenomenal last year, they, they seem to make a step forward uh, competitive wise and, and seem to be poised to, you know, be in the mix in the middle there in, in the Sun Belt, have a, an opportunity to, to climb up the standings a little bit. So I think they're one to watch uh, just based on, sort of their their uh, processes as far as targeting guys out of the transfer portal, specifically at this position group. Yeah, and I mean, LSU was dead last in yards per game last year. Uh, don't know that they got a ton from the portal, but 323 yards per game, you know, uh, was just brutal. A couple other good teams that were bad last year, Ohio State was 122nd. 
giving up 304 yards. You know, with Ohio State, I think it's a little different just because they were usually up so much teams had to pass on them. So th there's a little bit of leeway there. Um, Kansas State was pretty bad. Bot Tech was bad. Texas was 108th. Florida was 100th. Uh, Texas Tech, like we mentioned before, was 101. So a uh, big boost for them. Who are you looking to uh, take a big step this year, Xavier? Well, what team uh, do you see just either uh, they can't be this bad? Is is it LSU? I mean, <laughs> LSU seems like the most obvious answer here. It's got to be. I mean, and before I go, I, I told people to realize it doesn't matter what university you're at. You know, we talk about all the time with some position groups and some schools in particular that, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll rebuild. You know, they bring in five stars every year. We saw how bad LSU was. Those corners were four and five stars. Just because you have them on your roster does not equate to them actually being good on the field. Uh, but when you look at LSU, it's got to be them. You know, they they tried everything last year. They tried, you know, benching guys. They tried to simplify the defense. I mean, they literally tried anything, everything that they could do last year to figure it out. You think with a full offseason, they'll get it right. They'll bring, you know, these guys have been the butt of the joke for the last year in college football, especially in the SEC. So you figure at this point, you know, they're going to spend the time this offseason to get it right, to fix the issues. And with a lot of these teams, like you said, Scott, unlike, uh, you know, a Florida, unlike, you know, an Ohio State where these teams were up a bunch and so they just were giving up, you know, big plays or they were giving up a lot of dip and dunk passing yards, you know, 70-yard drives that were ending in field goals because their offense was so potent. Those teams will have less of a reason to maybe press the issue defensively if their offense continues to run at this rate because then the defense doesn't have to do nearly as much and they're going to be seeing far more passes than like you know a team that's always in a close ball game but for an LSU when you're getting bludgeoned by a Missouri that film is right there front and center so you expect LSU to take at least a you know incrementally be better than last year you've got to think they've got to be you know better than they were last year all right, let's move down to the uh, the defensive backs that are moving out uh, of college football onto the NFL. A lot of teams hit pretty hard uh, by the draft here, Nick, uh, starting out with just some of the, the best players in the draft. Uh, Patrick Sertain, probably going to be the first corner off the board. Now that Caleb Fairley just had uh, back surgery, so uh, he's going to be moving up boards. Eric Stokes for Georgia. Had a, a great, um, had a really, really good uh, Ran a 40. Two. Yeah, 4-2. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't Rondell Moore-esque, but it was still really good. Uh, Tyson Campbell, also a, a big guy from Georgia. They also lose Mark Webb, DJ Daniel, Richard LeCount, all kinds of guys. Florida losing four players. Um, South Carolina, obviously, losing J.C. Horn, who Xavier mentioned before. Uh, Oregon, who had one of the best secondaries in the league, uh, in the nation last year. Javon Holland, Brady Breeze, and Thomas Graham gone for them. Elijah Molden uh, gone at Washington. TCU losing two starters. Texas losing two starters. Lots of teams impacted here. Uh, who is the most negatively affected by uh, players graduating and leaving for the NFL draft, Nick? Well, beyond beyond the ones we've already discussed, Georgia uh, and Florida uh, and Oregon are certainly top of mind. But Florida State, you know, Asante oh, Samuel yeah, uh, and then uh, Hamza Naziruddin, both of those guys were listed among Dane Brugler's top 12 defensive backs. And those are big losses because Florida State also had, you know, some guys who've been contributors in the past leave through the transfer portal. They've been very active adding players uh, through the transfer portal, but it's difficult to imagine it being, you know, uh, truly offsetting what they lost. So I think Florida State is that, you know, uh, as, as Mike Norvell continues to remake that roster, uh, you know, the secondary is, is certainly a position group where there are a lot of guys coming in. There are a lot of guys going out and including two really, really talented uh, defensive backs, South Carolina, you mentioned Horn, but also uh, Israel Mukwamu is, is just a physically unique defensive back, a guy who's, you know, listed at six, four over 220 pounds, something like that, you know, uh, measurements that were more, uh, that we're used to seeing more as, you know, an, an outside linebacker at the college level. So for him, 
at being a corner who's played some safety in, in the past is uh, just sort of a unique you know, player that, that South Carolina won't have available to them anymore because he's off to the NFL. But they also lost, you know, Jamie Robinson and, and John Dixon, uh, Shiloh Sanders playing now for his dad at, at Jackson State. So a lot of guys, not just through the NFL draft, but similarly to, to Florida State, uh, you know, guys are, are leaving and, and South Carolina specifically has had, you know, whether it's less success or, or maybe less uh, desire to bring guys in through the transfer portal. But, you know, th- that seems that they're really going to be taking a, a bit of a step back. Uh, but I think, you know, Georgia still uh, NFL draft is is having the biggest impact on on uh, them. LSU, uh, you mentioned the, the numbers last year, ranking among the worst in college football in just about every uh, statistical category against the pass. They are losing Kerry Vincent and Jacoby Stevens, but they also are uh, losing a, a starting safety, Maurice Hampton, who, who also plays baseball there, recently entered the transfer portal. So, you know, LSU, you have to imagine they will be getting better, but they are, they are not without issue personnel wise uh certainly in the secondary replacing some guys who played a lot of football some talented guys so there are some some big name programs that uh will need a lot of new faces to step up whether they are young guys true freshmen seems like you know georgia specifically is going to have to rely on uh, a very talented crop of of you know freshmen redshirt freshmen type players but guys who have not played very much uh football you know, South Carolina might be in a similar boat. Florida State might be in a similar boat. Uh, Michigan State is is kind of doing a similar thing. A lot of guys going out. A lot of guys coming in. So there are there are some programs that uh, you know uh, the the list is not short, shall we say? Uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of turnover in in the in the secondary this year. So maybe even more than any position group we've talked about yet. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean Xavier, it's uh, yeah. I, I know it hurts to see Georgia. Uh, losing a lot, but Georgia is at least a team, you know, some of these teams replace, you know, no one's going to feel bad for Georgia. No one's going to feel bad for Alabama. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, Oregon, uh, I think I'm, I might feel a little bit bad for Pitt, obviously losing a lot too. Who, who are you, uh, I guess, most sympathetic towards losing these players? I think, I think, when I, when I when I think about it, I mean, outside of Georgia, obviously being a fan, I think I'll go with Northwestern. I think this was a team last year who defensively was carried defensively last year. I mean, we saw how good they were in the Big Ten championship game, pretty much, you know, you know, hemming up uh, Justin Fields and forcing them to run the football. They forgot that running the football was a part of the game. But that, that defense, that secondary in particular, was really good last year. And, and they featured, you know, one of, if not the best defense in the Big Ten last year. And large part of that was because of their defense or because of their secondary. You know, and when you look at their secondary on top of that, you're looking at, you know, a guy, you know, they have people coming back like Brandon Joseph, who was an all-conference guy, but you're losing J.R. Pace, who's going to the league. You're losing uh, Cam Ruiz, who's a transfer out. And those were your senior-laden people, you know, that J.R. Pace, a senior, Cam Ruiz, a junior. So you're really relying on a lot of sophomores and freshmen, uh, whether, you know, redshirt sophomores to come in and make the same plays and, and be able to, keep this consistency defensively that they had last year. And that's going to be asking for a lot because let's be honest, without Northwestern's defense last year, I don't know if they're in the Big Ten Championship game. That's how good that defense was at, in stints last year. Um, another one for me is probably Syracuse. And I think that's genuinely just because Syracuse, these guys have been three, four-year starters. I mean, Andre Sisco, God, he's been here since I think we started the podcast. He's been a starter. You know, uh, Malo Fanu, same situation. And I think when you lose that kind of production defensively, when you just could, you knew it coming into the year. Well, he's starting on the on the boundary. He's starting as the field corner. He's be, when you're able to do that as a coach, it gives you a sense of uh, you know security uh, on your back line, and especially when obviously the way college football is going, corners have to be you know, up to it just as much as the rest of the defense is because of how pass heavy college football has gotten. So Syracuse losing so many guys on the back end, three, uh, three guys on the back end is massive for a team that already didn't have a, a, a bountiful amount of talent on defense as it is. Uh, Nick, same question for you. Who are you most sympathetic for? I mean, obviously there's a lot of teams losing talent, uh, but is there a team that you, you look at and you go, Oh God, why did it have to be all of these guys for this team? <laughs> 
Well, I'm, I'm glad that uh, that Xavier mentioned Syracuse. They they were sort of uh, just on the edge of of my list in the last uh, question, but you know, Trill Williams, Andre Sisko, as you mentioned, and then uh, Milafanu being the the highest rated, at least according to to Brugler, of that group. Those are some really talented players, and and Syracuse was not particularly good last year against the pass. I mean, they they ranked seventy uh, eighth in the or excuse me, they ranked one hundred and sixth in the country in uh, net yards per pass, but they ranked 75th in, in yards per pass allowed. And, and there were certainly some injuries there, but to lose three really talented guys like that is, is you know, it's, it's going to be difficult for them to make a step forward elsewhere when they're losing three of their most talented players at a, a position that, you know, did struggle a little bit statistically, at least last year. Oregon State, I, I mentioned that they've got, you know, two guys leaving and, and one uh, who has uh, unfortunately been been forced to retire. They ranked 87th nationally in yards per pass allowed already. So that's a, a bit of an issue. Uh, and Purdue is a team that has multiple guys who are, are either leaving for the NFL or, or not taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility. And they were barely just inside, you know, triple digits in, in yards per pass allowed. They were 96th last year. So, you know, they're a team that has had some transfers uh, coming in and, and not necessarily guys who have played a lot, but guys who are uh, at least on par, maybe even a little bit better than, you know, your average Purdue recruit over the last several years. So you expect, you know, maybe those are guys in, in position to potentially become starters. But there are some teams, you know, kind of on the, the lower end of our Power Five power rankings who are, are going to be missing, you know, some important pieces from uh, a secondary that, that didn't necessarily put up great statistical numbers last year as well. So as we're, as we're looking ahead to 2021 and, and thinking of, you know, can a, a team like Purdue, who is going to be at a talent disadvantage more often than not, a Syracuse, who's going to be at a talent disadvantage in almost every, you know, conference game, especially, it, it's going to be difficult to, to think that they're going to take a big step forward when they're losing so much production at a position group that really uh, where that is important. I, I think, you know, uh, we've seen studies from, you know, people like like Bill Connolly show that the passing game is where returning production matters the most. So whether it's, you know, the receiving core or uh, guys in the secondary, those are the two position groups where, you know, the number of, of players or, or overall percentage of production returning matters most in, in those areas. So when I'm looking at a, a Syracuse, where I'm looking at, you know, and Illinois, a Rutgers guys, you know, teams that are low on, on a lot of statistical uh, leaderboards, uh, you know, in the passing game, that's where I'm looking also at, you know, which, which of those teams are popping up here as far as transfers going or, or guys entering the NFL draft and who maybe, you know, maybe have one or two coming in, but, you know, not, not really uh, recruiting at a super high level, or, you know, bringing in guys that we're at least really familiar with through the transfer portal either, that, you know, that it's going to be difficult for me to envision some of those teams taking a big step forward until, you know, I feel better about their situation in the secondary. Yeah. Uh, what, what about uh, the teams, Nick, that aren't on this list that have are going to come back with a ton of experience in the secondary? Who Who are those teams that, have a ton of experience. We're kind of expecting a lot out of this year. One that jumps out to me because I just actually finished up their update of, of their uh, FBS team profile is Utah. And Utah didn't play particularly well against the pass last year. Uh, and, you know, they, they uh, were very, very young in the secondary. We knew that coming into last season and played a, a shorter schedule than most, only played five games. But to get, you know, five new starters, uh, essentially, uh, a lot of experience in the secondary, I think, is important. They're returning uh, four guys who played over 330 snaps, uh, including a, a couple who were true freshmen last year. So uh, I think Utah is is certainly in a position to 
potentially take a step forward statistically. Uh, I think that, you know, despite losing arguably their their best player in Cam Bynum, uh, Cal is a, a team also just, you know, kind of top of mind because I, I just finished their update, but they returned for uh, guys who were starters. They played even fewer games, of course, than Utah, but, uh, you know, brought in Raymond Woody, the third from Florida State as well. So, you know, you, you have four returning starters and then throw in a guy who uh, is the most, you know, highly rated player from a, a recruit standpoint into the mix as that fifth guy. That's a pretty good spot to be in. And, and then, you know, despite him being arguably the number one corner out there and, and losing him, uh, you know, in uh, uh, Patrick Sertain, Alabama, he's the only guy that, that that they're losing. You know, they're they're not. They did Eddie Smith a transfer, but he only played twelve snaps last year. He's going to Illinois. Maybe he'll have more opportunity to, uh, you know, to play there. But you're bringing back uh, Josh Job as as a starting corner. You're bringing back all three safeties: uh, Jordan Battle, Daniel Wright, and then Malachi Moore was a you know freshman All American type guy, a guy who can play corner and safety. So Alabama you know, uh, defensively, really, uh, across the board. I, I feel really, really, uh, you know, really excited to see that Alabama defense next year. But in the secondary, you know, surprise, surprise, they're probably going to be uh, the top-rated unit in the country, you know, in, in the preseason, at least according to our numbers. So it's it's early, and there are some, you know, haven't quite uh, finished up our updates for the uh, the Big Ten, the, the Big 12, or, or the ACC, but – you know those those jump out as far as uh, SEC and, and Pac-12 uh, teams that I think are are positioned pretty well uh, to to you know put up some uh, strong performances or or at least you know have a talented group, really experienced group coming back in uh, in 2021. Xavier, who are you most excited to watch in the NFL? Uh, this draft class. Ooh. <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I think it's, it has to be Patrick Sertan. Uh, I mean, maybe it's because of the pedigree that he's coming in with. I mean, but he just – he reminds me so much of Marlon Humphrey when he came out of college. Uh, the size, the profile, the the, the, the ability to have top-line speed at also being 6'1". Uh, but one that Nick talked about earlier, um, uh, Mukwamu coming out of South Carolina, I just want to see what he plays like. I'll be honest with you. Uh, you know, when you're when you're – almost 6'5 at corner, and he's all a bit of 6'4 plus. I've stood next to him. He is ridiculously tall. And, and to have that kind of physical profile, kid, teams are going to fall all over themselves to get him. In I the just imagine any corner that is 6'5 has got to have the worst hands that you've ever seen. But no, because he, he, had a pick, he, had, he had a pick six against Georgia. Right, but if he had really good hands, he would be a wide receiver if he's six five, right? I mean, I'll be honest with you, he might, it might not, he might not have top of the line speed. I think that's what it really is. Okay. Um, watching him in person, he, he's not a guy that you're going to want to run against the horse. Some of the horses in the NFL, like we'll never see him on a Tyreek Hill, but they'll right. put him on a you know somebody else, you know. So I, on a I think big, that on a big wideout, yeah, yeah, they'll they'll put him. They'll put him next to a DK Metcalf because of his size profile. Even in that situation, I don't know if he can run with him one on one. But no he, one he, can. He, so I mean, it, it, it wouldn't just be his fault. Nobody can run with DK. Fair. So. He, he's just one of those guys. He reminds me a lot of uh, Ob Melonfani when he came out of UConn. You know, there's this yeah. real freak of nature. Big. He's also he's also got a ridiculous wingspan as well. And, and I think that those two together. I think those two physical things together. I think a lot of teams are going to be falling over themselves if he's still there in the third and fourth round, and rightfully so. Obi didn't translate very well, right, Nick? I mean, uh, he was kind of kind of rough going to the NFL. And he had so. the speed. Uh, I, yeah, I guess you wouldn't know. Why, why did I throw that to Nick? He, he doesn't. I just remember uh, Obi got moved up and up and up. I think he got drafted by the Raiders. Uh, yeah. He just hasn't hasn't made a lot of noise. So, um, it, yeah, you know, I... For for our listeners, I just gave a shrug. I yeah, I have watched a little, uh, and I don't know if I've I've said this uh, here yet, but I, I I've been treating the NFL a little like you know a show that uh, I didn't watch, you know, when it was on. Uh, <laughs> Everyone's talking TV about Game and, of Thrones, and, 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 and so like, I can 
Well, but so so now I can binge it just, you know, with with Game Pass, I can just throw yeah. on uh, stuff. So I'm, I'm you know, I like to have a game on in the background and, and listen to the, the full copy. But I have been watching a little bit more uh, all 22 uh, for NFL stuff. So maybe maybe give me a couple of months and I might have some more opinions. But uh, one one team I, I failed to mention in that in that last section that I I want to get to and we'll actually be talking about them uh before long here Arkansas has has some really really good uh players coming back in the secondary Jalen Catalan was uh, I mean mm-hmm. I, I he put up just incredibly productive numbers last year but also watching him I watched a couple of, of Arkansas games uh earlier this week and and he's incredibly incredibly impre- uh, impressive uh was a redshirt freshman last year um somebody that that you know uh, our numbers put up 15 production points and he's one of five returning starters in that secondary for Arkansas so uh you know we'll we'll spend a little more time talking about them in, in depth but Defensively, I think Arkansas has a, a chance to uh, certainly continue what they started last year and, and maybe even put up better numbers, having Barry Odom back as a, a defensive coordinator for a second year. And then Catalan, I think, is an All-American type player. So uh, him specifically, but that unit as a whole is going to be really good, really experienced as well. And I'll throw in one last name. I think Iowa State's unit is going to be really good next year. You know, they're only losing one guy, they lose Lawrence White to the draft. But outside of that, Greg Ellsworth, the second comes back, uh, Detrone Young, Anthony Johnson, all juniors. And if Greg Ellsworth, the second comes back, he'll be a super senior. And so, I mean, you're talking about, you know, three of your four uh, DBs at any given time will have been there for three, four, and in Greg Ellsworth's uh, situation, five years. Uh, and they'll be the most experienced unit coming back. Uh, the, D-tac- the the defensive line is losing a lot of talent up there, uh, one to the draft, one to transfer. So I, and they'll be the most experienced unit as well. Uh, so I really like, especially what we've talked about, Iowa State offensively returning all that production coming back defensively. They're going to be just as good too. All right. Well, I believe that is going to wrap it up for our position series, unless we're going to do kickers and punters and special teams coverage. Come on, guys. Uh, we, we gotta talk about week, Nick. Real, real quick. Uh, there's, oh, there's, no. There is not. That's my uh, bad, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. See, this is good. You brought it up, so I'll get it out of the way here. So what, there, there are a couple of high-profile kickers on the move. Uh, one from Washington State, former uh, – you know, all American type candidate, all Pac-12 uh, kicker, uh, Blake Mazza is off to SMU, I believe. Uh, so he's he's uh, moving closer to home, but, you know, a, a kicker worth watching. Minnesota is getting Kent State's kicker, who was a, a really, really good kicker uh, a few years ago. And, and, you know, last year just had to kick a ton of extra points for, for Kent State. Uh, but Matthew Trickett going to Minnesota. Minnesota had some issues. We'll be talking about them in a little bit as well. But uh, had some issues in the kicking game last year for sure. So they're bringing in an All-America type guy to help you know with that. Uh, but then uh, there's one returner who uh, I think is going to have a, a big, big impact. Joshua Youngblood. Uh, is transferring to yeah. Rutgers, who also brought in, you know, last year, Aaron Cruikshank. So uh, Youngblood was a, a very, very talented, productive returner at Kansas State. So right. they got him and Cruikshank. I mean, th- that Rutgers, you know, they're going to be able to do some fun things returning kicks if, if anybody kicks to them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so that's that's our special teams thing, two kickers and a uh, – and a uh, a return man, but uh, as far as transfers go, there there are a few others. Washington State's also losing a punter to the uh, NFL draft. There are a few others, you know, leaving as well. But uh, transfers, there there are some special teams players, that, uh, you know, worth mentioning at least. And that's more than enough. But so, we won't uh, do forty five minutes on right, like, yeah. kickers next week. No, yeah, this, is, like, this is the end. Not to me. And we uh, <laughs> and, and you know. From when we started, there certainly have been some things that uh, of course, have popped yeah. up from quarterbacks, running backs, things like that. And we've mentioned most of them, but we'll plug it again here. In, in just a couple of weeks, we'll be releasing our 2021 FBS team profiles where we'll be able to, to you know, have all that transfer information 
uh, all in one spot. You can look team by team. Uh, we'll have a, it set up to uh, have a, a page where it populates chronologically as well. So, you know, you can look back at the previous week and see uh, what new names have popped up. So we will be paying a lot of attention to transfers and, and trying to, you know, we know a lot of the information is out there in, in other places, but we're going to be trying to package it in a way where it's, you know, the most useful. You can see how it impacts a team specifically, guys in, guys out, where they're slotted in the the depth chart, but then also uh, want to do a little bit better job of you know showing time wise if you hadn't been paying attention over a weekend and some big moves happened or or you know we're watching baseball all week and and missed uh, big news. We'll be having uh, a place where you can go and and catch up on that sort of stuff as well. And uh, to remember, tomorrow we are continuing our uh, team preview series here, uh, wrapping up 2020, looking forward to 2021 a little bit. Got a lot of uh, Mountain West teams, uh, Nevada. Uh, we've got in here Boston College, SEC. We're hitting with Tennessee, San Diego State, Air Force, Arkansas, San Jose State, uh, Minnesota, Memphis, and Toledo will all be on the show tomorrow. So a lot of good teams. We're moving into the good teams uh now so uh it's getting pretty interesting to see tennessee's good i said most of the good teams uh, i i you know look uh tennessee is uh as as uh, our guy nick would say very very interesting because so much is changing so much is changing at tennessee so i, I i'm i'm foreseeing that we spend a little time on tennessee tomorrow so uh be sure to check that out follow us all on twitter if you would too at Bogman Sports for me, at CFB Winning Edge for Nick, at Xavier underscore Trish, T-R-I-C-H-E for Xavier, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Take it easy, everybody. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for keeping our show ad-free and for funding our wide range of college football analytics projects. Thanks also to Blake Austin for our theme music. To learn more about CFB Winning Edge, visit patreon.com slash CFB Winning Edge or follow us on Twitter at CFB Winning Edge. Mm-hmm.